Hello friends this is Varsha's take and it's simple In this episode I'm going to read to you chapter 4 from The Psychology of Money by Morgan Housel This chapter is about confounding compounding Dollar 81.5 billion of Warren Buffett's dollar 84.5 billion net worth came after his 65th birthday our minds are not built to handle such absurdities lessons from one field can often teach us something important about unrelated fields take the billion year history of ice ages and what they teach us about growing your money our scientific knowledge of earth is younger than you might think understanding how the world works often involves drilling deep below in its surface something we haven't been able to do until fairly recently isaac newton calculated the movement of the stars hundreds of years before we understood some of the basics of our planet It was not until the 19th century that scientists agreed that earth had on multiple occasions been covered in ice there there was too much evidence to argue otherwise all over the world sat fingerprints of a previously frozen world huge boulders strewn in random locations rock beds scraped down to thin layers evidence became clear that there had not been one ice age but five distinct ones we could measure the amount of energy needed to freeze the planet melt it anew and freeze it over yet again is staggering what on earth literally could be causing these cycles it must be the most powerful force on our planet and it was just not in the way anyone expected there were plenty of theories about why ice ages occurred to account for their enormous geological influence the theories were equally grand the uplifting of mountain ranges it was thought may have shifted the earth's winds enough to alter the climate Others favored the idea that ice was the natural state interrupted by massive volcanic eruptions that warmed us up. But none of these theories could account for the cycle of ice ages, the growth of mountain ranges or some massive volcano may explain one ice age. It could not explain the cyclical repetition of five. In the early Rus of Serbian Serbian scientist named Milutin Milankovic studied the earth's position relative to other planets and came up with the theory of ice ages that we now know is accurate the gravitational pull of the sun and moon gently affect the earth's motion and tilt toward the sun During parts of this cycle which can last tens of thousands of years each of the earth's hemispheres gets a little more or a little less solar radiation than they are 
used to and that is where the fun begins milankovic's theory initially assumed that a tilt of the earth's hemispheres caused ravenous winters cold enough to turn the planet into ice but a russian meteorologist named valdemir kopen dug deeper into milankovic's work and discovered a fascinating nuance moderately cool summers not cold winters were the icy culprit it begins when a summer never gets warm enough to melt the previous winter snow the leftover ice base makes it easier for snow to accumulate the following winter which increases the odds of snow sticking around in the following summer which attracts even more accumulation the following winter perpetual snow reflects more of the sun's rays which exacerbates cooling which brings more snowfall and on and on within a few hundred years a seasonal snowpack grows into a con- continental ice sheet and you are off to the races the same thing happens in reverse an orbital tilt letting more sunlight in melts more of the winter snowpack which reflects less light the following years which increases temperatures which prevents more snow the next year and so on that's the cycle the amazing thing here is how big something can grow from a relatively small change in conditions you start with a thin layer of snow left over from a cool summer that no one would think anything of and then in a geological blink of an eye the entire earth is covered in miles thick ice as glaciologist gwin schultz put it it is not necessarily the amount of snow that causes ice sheets but the fact that snow however little lasts The big takeaway from ice ages is that you don't need tremendous force to create tremendous results. If something compounds, if a little growth serves as the fuel for future growth, a small starting base can lead to results so extraordinary they seem to defy logic. It can be so logic defying that you underestimate what's possible. where growth comes from and what it can lead to and so it is with money more than 2000 books are dedicated to how warren buffett built his fortune many of them are wonderful but few pay enough attention to the simplest fact warren buffett's fortune isn't due to just being a good investor but being a good investor since he was literally a child As I write this, Warren Buffett's net worth is $84.5 billion. Of that, $84.2 billion was accumulated after his 50th birthday. $81.5 billion came after he qualified for Social Security in his mid-60s. Warren Buffett is a phenomenal investor. investor but you miss a key point if you attach all of his success to investing acumen the real key to his success is that he's been a phenomenal investor for 3 quarters of a century 
Had he started investing in his 30s and retired in his 60s, few people would have ever heard of him. Consider a little thought experiment. Thank you friends for listening this part of chapter 4. I'll come with another episode where I conclude this chapter 4. So meet you there. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. Hello friends, this is Varsha Stick and it's simple. So I'm back with chapter 4 from the Psychology of Money by Morgan Husserl. Chapter 4 is about confounding and compounding. So I continue with the chapter. Consider a little thought experiment. Buffet began serious investing when he was 10 years old. By the time he was 30, he had a net worth of $1 million or $9.3 million adjusted for inflation. What if he was a more normal person, spending his teens and 20s exploring the world and finding his passion and by age 30, his net, net worth was say $25,000? And let's say he still went on to earn the extraordinary annual investment returns. He's been able to generate 22% annually but quit investing and retired at age 60 to play golf and spend time with his grandkids. What would a rough estimate of his net worth be today? Not $84.5 billion, $11.9 million. 99.9% less than his actual net worth. Effectively, all of Warren Buffet's financial success can be tied to the financial base he built in his pubescent years and the longevity he maintained in his geriatric years. His skill in investing, but his secret is time. That's how compounding works. Think of this another way. Buffet is the richest investor of all time. But he's not actually the greatest, at least not when measured by average annual returns. Jim Simons, head of the hedge fund Renaissance Technologies, has compounded money at 66% annually since 1988. No one comes close to this record. As we just saw, Buffet has compounded at roughly 22% annually, a third as much. Simon's net worth, as I write, is $21 billion. He is, and I know how ridiculous this sounds, given the numbers, we are dealing with 75% less rich than Buffet. Why the difference? If Simon is such a better investor... Because Simons did not find his investments tried until he was 50 years old. He's had less than f half as many years to compound as Buffet. 
if James Simons had earned his 66% annual returns for the 70-year span Buffet has built his wealth, he would be worth, please hold your breath, 63 quintillions, 900 quadrillion, 781 trillion, 780 billion, 748 million, 160,000 dollars. These are ridiculous, impractical numbers. The point is that what seem like small changes in growth assumptions can lead to ridiculous, impractical numbers. And so, when we are studying why something got to become as powerful as it has, why an ice age formed or why Warren Buffet is so rich, we often overlook the key drivers of success. I have heard many people say the first time they saw a compound interest table or one of those stories about how much more you'd have for retirement if you began saving in your 20s versus your 30s changed their life. But it probably didn't. What it likely did was surprise them because the results intuitively didn't seem right. Linear thinking is so much more intuitive than exponential thinking. If I ask you to calculate 8 plus 8 plus 8 plus 8 plus 8 plus 8 plus 8 in your head, you can do it in a few seconds. It's 72. If I ask you to calculate 8 into 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 8, your head will explode. It's 134 lakh to 17,728. IBM made a 3.5 megabyte hard drive in the 1950s. By the 1960s, things were moving into a few dozen megabytes. By 1970s, IBM's Win Winchester drive held 70 megabytes. Then drives got exponentially smaller in size with more storage. A typical PC in the early 1990s held 200 to 500 megabytes. And then, wham, things exploded. 1999, Apple's iMac comes with a 6 gigabyte hard drive. 2003, 120 gigas on the Power Mac. 2006, 250 gigas on the new iMac. 2011, first 4 terabyte hard drive. 2017, 60 terabyte hard drives. 2019, 100 terabyte hard, hard drives. Put that all together. From 1950 to 1990, we gained 296 megabytes. From 1990 through today, we gained 100 million megabytes. If you were a technology optimist in the 1950s, you may have predicted that practical storage would become 1,000 times larger, maybe 10,000 times larger. If you were swinging for the fences, few would have said, 30 million times larger within my lifetime, but that's what happened. The counterintuitive nature of compounding leads even the smartest of us to overlook its power. In 2004, Bill Gates criticized the new Gmail, wondering why anyone would need a gigabyte of storage. 
author Stephen Levy wrote, despite his currency with cutting-edge technologies, his mentality was anchored in the old paradigm of storage being a commodity that must be conserved. You never get accustomed to how quickly things can grow. The danger here is that when compounding is an intuitive, we often ignore its potential and focus on solving problems through other means. Not because we, were, we are overthinking, but because we rarely stop to consider compounding potential. None of, none of the 2000 books picking apart Buffet's success are titled This Guy Has Been Investing Consistently for Three Quarters of the Century. But we know that's the key to the majority of his success. It's just hard to wrap your head around the maths because it's not intuitive. There are books on economic cycles, trading strategies, and sector bets, but the most powerful and important book should be called Shut Up and Wait. It's just one page with a long-term chart of economic growth. The practical takeaway is that the counterintuitiveness of compounding may be responsible for the majority of disappointing trades, bad strategies, and successful investing attempts. You can't blame people for devoting all their effort, effort in what they learn and what they do, to trying to earn the highest investment returns. It intuitively means like the best way to get rich. But good investing isn't necessarily about earning the highest return because the highest returns tend to be one of hits that can't be repeated. It's about earning pretty good returns that you can stick with and which can be repeated for the longest period of time. That's when compounding runs wild. The opposite of this, earning huge returns that can't be held onto, leads to some tragic stories. We'll need the next chapter to tell them. So this is the end of chapter 4 from my side. I've I've finished reading that chapter. In the next episode, I would come with the with my take on this chapter. So see you soon in the next episode. Bye and thanks for listening. Hello friends. This is Varsha's take and it's simple. I'm back again in this episode to tell you about my take on chapter 4 of The Psychology of Money. Chapter 4 is about confounding and compounding. So in this chapter, the author has brought to our notice that how it is very important to be consistent in whatever we are doing. So and the results are amazing, unbelievable. So what is confounding? Confounding means it is the cause of surprise or confusion in someone, especially by not according with their expectations. So that means uh, confounding is a surprise that a person has in his mind when he doesn't understand or cannot imagine the results to be the way they are being seen.
So the biggest takeaway from the ice age he has also depicted an example of the ice age where which has come five times in in the entire journey since the earth was formed so what is the take take away from the ice age is that you don't need tremendous force to create tremendous results if something compounds it if a little growth serves as a fuel for future growth a small starting base can lead to results so extraordinary that they seem to defy logic hmm? it can be so logic defying that you underestimate what's possible where go- growth comes from and what it can lead to the same thing happens with money like Warren Buffett's wealth now is 84 billion out of which out of this 84.5 billion 81.5 billion came after he qualified for social security in his mid 60s and 84.2 billion was accumulated after his 50th birthday so as an investor he actually started when he was literally a child his growth rate his whatever his investments were the growth rate of that was 22% where, whereas there was jim simons author has also written about jim simons who came very late into the investing business he was the hedge fund renaissance technologies manager the head of the hedge fund renaissance, renaissance technologies and he compounded his money at 66% annually in spite since 1988 but in spite of that he is now a owner of dollar 21 billion only and not like warren buffet 84.5 billion so the re- that is what the author wants to tell that consistency and when you start early and you keep doing something per- time and over and over again the result is much more bigger which cannot match even if the rate of returns are higher as compared to what warren buffet earned the rate of interest of warren buffet or the rate of return of warren buffet's uh, investings were just 22% whereas uh, of that of jim simons were were 66% in spite of that warren buffet is a bigger and richer and his net worth is much higher than jim simons so good investing isn't necessarily about earning the highest returns because the highest returns tend to be one of hits that can be repeated it's about earning pretty good returns that you can stick with and which can be repeated for the longest period of time that's when compounding runs wild the opposite of this is earning huge returns that can't be held on to leads to some tragic stories is what the author has bring brought or is trying to bring to our notice in this particular chapter the power of compounding and how it becomes confounding 
that means how you get surprised with the results of compounding and of um, of consist the results of consistency so i i suppose friends you have liked this take of mine and you all would go through and listen to chapter 4 which i have read for you and you too can come with your perceptions on the ideas that have been shared by the author in this chapter thank you so much for listening and i'll be soon back with with another episode thank you so much नमस्कार मित्रांनो दिस इज वर्षा स्टेक अँड इट्स सिम्पल आज मी तुम्हाला या एपिसोडमध्ये द सायकोलॉजी ऑफ मनी या पुस्तकातल्या धडा चार जो कम कन्फाउंडिंग आणि कंपाउंडिंगवर लिहिलेला आहे लेखकाने त्याबद्दल माझी काही मतं सांगणार आहे तर कन्फाउंडिंग म्हणजे जे एखाद्याला आश्चर्याचा धक्का देत अशी एखादी जी काही गोष्ट घटना घडते आणि गोंधळून टाकतं ते लोकांना म्हणजे दॅट इज कन्फाउंडिंग हा आपण आश्चर्यचकित होतोच पण गोंधळात पडतो की हे कसं घडलं असेल कशामुळे घडलं असेल शक्य आहे असं आपल्याला वाटत वाटत राहत तर ह्या धड्यामध्ये असं काय नमूद केलंय लेखकाने तर वॉरन बफे हे तुम्हाला सगळ्यांना माहितीच असतील त्यांची संपत्ती जी आहे ती सगळ्यांना खूप आश्चर्यचकित करणारी आहे आणि ती कशामुळे जमा झाली एवढी संपत्ती तर सातत्य हा त्याच्या माग हे त्याच्या मागचं रहस्य आहे जशी एखादी छोटी मुंगी आपलं वारूळ तयार करते आपण सगळ्यांनीच बघितलंय एवढासा जीव असतो तो आणि तुम्ही काही दिवसांपूर्वी बघितलं तर असं छोटस काहीतरी माती उकरलेली आपल्याला दिसते आणि बघता बघता दोन तीन महिन्यामध्ये आपल्याला असं दिसतं अरे त्याचं एक चांगलाच ढीक तयार झालाय मातीचा ते वारूळ म्हणजे बऱ्यापैकी मोठं झालेलं असतं आणि काही वर्षांनी बघितलं तर त्या तो फारच मोठा ढीग एक छोट म्हणजे एखादी अशी टेकडी असावी असाही होऊ शकतो सो एवढी छोटी मुंगी पण सातत्याने काम करत राहिली तर एवढं मोठं काहीतरी घडवू शकते तसंच आपण मधमाशा बघितलं तर प्रत्येकानेच आपण कधी ना कधीतरी हे ऑब्झर्वेशन केलं असेल की काही मधमाशा असतात आणि छोटस पोळं असतं आणि काही महिन्यातच ते एवढं मोठं होत आणि त्या चार मधमाशांच्या कितीतरी हजारोंमध्ये मधमाशा त्या पोळ्या भोवती त्यांचं काम करत असतात फुलांचा रस जमा करून तिथे गोळा करत असतात आणि ते पोळंही एवढं मोठं होत तशाच पद्धतीने आपली संपत्तीही वाढत असते आणि त्यालाच म्हणतात पॉवर ऑफ कंपाउंडिंग म्हणजे दुसऱ्यांना गोंधळवून टाकेल एवढा परिणाम आपल्याला बघायला मिळतो 
फक्त या कंपाऊंडिंगच्या शक्तीने आणि कंपाऊंडिंगची शक्ती ही तेव्हाच आपल्याला दिसते जेव्हा आपण एखादी गोष्ट सातत्याने करत राहतो तर त्याचं उदाहरण म्हणजे लेखकाने वॉरन बफेच्या इन्व्हेस्टमेंट आणि नेटवर्थ वरन दिलेलं तर वॉरन बफेच्या नेटवर्थ हे एटी फोर पॉईंट फाईव्ह बिलियन डॉलर्स हे आहे ज्या ज्याच्यातलं एटी फोर पॉईंट टू बिलियन हे तो त्याच्या पन्नासाव्या वर्ष वाढदिवसाच्या वेळेस त्याचं तेवढं वर्थ होतं एटी फोर पॉईंट टू बिलियन डॉलर्स आणि जेव्हा तो साठ वर्षाचा झाला तेव्हा त्याचं नेटवर्थ अजून एटी वन पॉईंट फाईव्ह बिलियन ह्या पातळीवर आलं सो असं पूर्ण मिळून त्याचं नेटवर्थ हे एटी फोर पॉईंट फाईव्ह बिलियन एवढं असं निर्माण झालं फक्त त्याच्या सातत्यामुळे इन्व्हेस्टिंगच्या सातत्यामुळे आणि हे नेटवर्थ जमा व्हायला किंवा तयार व्हायला आपल्याला आश्चर्य किंवा गोंधळात टाकेल अशा पद्धतीची ग्रोथ वॉरन बफेमध्ये दिसण्यासाठी तो जेव्हा एक लहान मुलगा होता तेव्हापासनं त्यांनी हा त्याचा प्रवास इन्व्हेस्टिंगचा सुरू केला होता त्यात तो जेव्हा यंग झाला आणि त्याच्याबरोबरीची यंग मुलं जी होती ती कदाचित खेळायला जात असतील इकडे तिकडे मस्ती मजा करत असतील पण वॉरन बफेनी त्याचं हे काम इन्व्हेस्टिंगचं सातत्य सोडलं नाही मग पन्नाशी नंतर जेव्हा लोक बाकी सगळे ह्या वयातले गॉल्फ खेळायसाठी आणि फ्री टाईम इकडे तिकडे घालवत होते तेव्हाही त्यांनी सातत्याने आपलं काम जे इन्व्हेस्टिंगचं आहे ते सोडलं नाही आणि त्यामुळे त्याची वर्थ ही एवढी मोठ्या प्रमाणात होऊ शकली त्याची नेटवर्थ याच धड्यामध्ये लेखकाने अजून एका व्यक्तीचं उदाहरण दिलं आहे आणि ते म्हणजे जिम सायमन्स जो एक हेज फंड रेनेसान्स टेक्नॉलॉजीज नावाच्या कंपनीचा हेड होता आणि त्यांनी त्याचं इन्व्हेस्टमेंट जे आहे त्याचं कंपाऊंडिंग हे सिक्स्टी ॲन्युअली अशा पद्धतीने त्याला रिटर्न्स मिळाले व्हेरॅज वॉरन बफेचे रिटर्न्स हे फक्त बावीस पर ॲनम या गतीने त्यांना त्यांना मिळाले वॉरन बफेंना तरी सुद्धा जिम सायमन्सचं नेटवर्थ हे फक्त एकवीस बिलियन डॉलर्स एवढंच होऊ शकलं तर ह्याच्यावरनं आपल्याला समजतं की सातत्य जास्त महत्वाचं आहे रादर दॅन द साईज ऑफ द रिटर्न्स ह्यांना जिम सायमनला सहासष्ट टक्क्यांनी मिळालं रिटर्न आणि वॉरन बफेला ओव्हर द पिरियड जर बघितलं तर बावीस टक्क्यांनी रिटर्न मिळाले आणि तरी सुद्धा वॉरन बफेची फक्त सातत्याने कंपाऊंडिंगच्या पॉवरमुळे नेटवर्थ ही चौऱ्याऐंशी पॉईंट पाच बिलियन डॉलर ही एवढी झाली आणि जिम सायमन्सची फक्त एकवीस बिलियन डॉलर एवढी होऊ शकली तर ह्याच्याने आपण समजू शकतो मित्रांनो की सातत्य म्हणजे कन्सिस्टन्सी आणि पावर ऑफ कंपाऊंडिंग हे किती जास्त महत्व महत्वाचं आहे ज्याच्यामुळे लोकांना तुम्हाला किंवा तुम्ही अनबिलिवेबल रिझल्ट्स दाखवू आणि देऊ शकता आणि स्वतःलाही ते अनुभवायला मिळतील 
तर लेखक म्हणतात की गुड इन्व्हेस्टिंग इज इंट नेसेसरीली अबाउट अर्निंग द हायस्ट रिटर्न बिकॉज द हायस्ट रिटर्न टेन टू बी वन ऑफ हिट्स दॅट कॅन बी रिपीटेड इट्स अबाउट अर्निंग प्रिटी गुड रिटर्न दॅट यू कॅन स्टिक विथ अँड विच कॅन बी रिपीटेड फॉर द लॉंगेस्ट पिरियड ऑफ टाइम दॅट्स वेन कंपाउंडिंग रन्स वाईल्ड सो मित्रांनो मला तरी ह्या धड्यातनं कंपाउंडिंगचं महत्व आणि सातत्याचं महत्व कळलंय तुम्हीही हा धडा मी जो वाचलाय ह्यापूर्वीच्या दोन एपिसोडमध्ये तो जरूर ऐका आणि तुमचीही काय मतं होतात त्याच्यावर विचार करा सो थँक्यू फॉर लिसनिंग खूप खूप धन्यवाद तुम्ही ऐकलत आणि मी जो धडा वाचलाय तोही आवर्जून ऐका हा फारच सुंदर धडा आहे मला खूपच आवडला आणि आशा करते की तुम्हालाही आवडेल सो बाय फॉर द फॉर टाईम बिईंग and i meet you in the next episode